welcome to the Wasted Youth Podcast. In this week's episode, Micah and Shotgun have another conversation about martial arts, as well as some Battlefield 2042 news at the start of the episode. If that sounds interesting to you, sit back, grab a drink, and enjoy the episode. podcast ladies and gentlemen i'm micah Voorhees here with my fantastic co-host dominic shotgun sanders and tonight we are talking about martial arts uh so if that's what you're into you know have a seat and join us as we discuss this topic that's very close to uh both of us so uh let's i'm flattered start off (laughs) fantastic wow (laughs) is that is is not an adjective that you think describes you no usually i get called short skinny weird i i think i always (laughs) use positive adjectives when introducing you that's fair i can't i can't poison the well right off the bat that's that's not allowed (laughs) (laughs) yeah i poison it myself (laughs) with the milk (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, last week, the rum, dear lord. Oh, duel. Speaking <laughs> of which, what are you drinking tonight? <laughs> well, after last week's mistake, I'm taking a break from hard liquor, and I'm okay. drinking a peach mango angry orchard. Oh, cool. I've had the apple ones. Interesting. They're good. I saw the peach mango Walmart, don't judge. I'm like, hey, <laughs> I'm going to try that. So Walmart. I can try it. It's not bad. It's not as sweet as I thought it would be. Gotcha. Interesting. What about you? I'm drinking two things. I'm drinking the E and J spice brandy. Okay. Um, that I got last week. Um, and additional. Not a liquor. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Mountain Dew gingerbread snapped. <laughs> what in the world is that? So it's Mountain Dew, okay. But it also has the aftertaste of a gingerbread man. Oh no. <laughs> oh yes. I'm That's never buying disgusting. it again. I'm never buying it again, but <laughs> I had to, I figured I had to once. Like, it had to be, it had to be a thing that happened. (laughs) Like, I saw this, I'm like, well, (laughs) that's, that's just something I need to try. (laughs) The only Mountain Dew I will drink, the only Mountain Dew I will purchase is Mountain Dew Livewire, and that is purely just because that's what I used to drink at church camp back in the day of, like, Uh, Yeah. Along with what my about, Three Musketeers bar. I was, was balling. But, but what about Baja Blast? The best. The it's best. okay. It's okay. What do you what do you order when you go to Taco Bell, sir? Um <laughs> Pepsi because they don't have Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Wait, so you just get normal Pepsi? Yeah. Wow, no that's ice. like 
No ice. That's that's like the worst answer. You, I mean, I know. you could have said cherry Pepsi, and that would have been fine. Oh but well, like, if they have cherry Pepsi, I'll order cherry Pepsi. But typically, that... the one in Martinsville, wow, stutter. The one in Martinsville does not have cherry Pepsi for whatever reason. Oh, how unfortunate! That's usually what I hear from heretics who don't like Baja Blast is that they get cherry Pepsi at uh, Taco Bell. Yeah. Uh, so. Or I'll get Sprite, Sierra Mist, one of those two. Gotcha. Because as you know, not liking uh, Baja Blast is a sin that will condemn you to hell. Oh. Um, Oh, jeez. This is true. It says so in the sacred scripture of La Biblioteca. (laughs) 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 Sir, I um, need you to cite your sources. I expect a link by the end of the night. I just I just did say my sources. I said in La Biblioteca. I, I want this. the link. <laughs> <laughs> the, the link to La Biblioteca? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where do I find that? Dark web? <laughs> uh, no, no, check your check your local library. Oh, okay. Alright. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, is that right next to uh the Healing Crystals books? <laughs> Uh no, oh. <laughs> it's literally, it's literally the whole library. Sir. <laughs> Probably somewhere then. Oh my god. Okay. Oh boy. Let's see. Um. So what do we got for news tonight? Oh, okay. Gaming news. Battlefield twenty forty two early access for gold and premium game owners and the game pass whatever the hell that is i don't nope. subscribe to game passes so because that um, would be giving money to ea which is also a sin yeah yeah so i've been playing a bit of that um i was talking to you a little bit about it before we started the stream mm-hmm. feels a lot better than the beta um, yeah i had to uninstall it and reinstall it because i was getting a unable to load persistence data error code which is basically the connection to the server like consistent communication between my computer and their servers i thought it was on my end uninstalled reinstalled Mm -hmm. repaired the game after i reinstalled Mm -hmm. and i got it again so after some research i realized it's server issues on their end i ran into it one match this morning after i fixed mm-hmm. it so i think it was mm-hmm. just launch day servers are burning in hell issues of course so but yeah it runs a lot smoother the uh sniper is the same one you got in the beta but mm-hmm. they've buffed it like the bullet drops not near as much the oh. marksman rifle isn't better than it so so you mean now it actually works like a sniper rifle exactly yeah yeah i don't know what attachments they had on it if it was like the short barrel or whatever mm-hmm. yeah but yeah it's not bad game looks yeah, a lot you clearer you, 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 wait you don't you don't you don't saw off the barrel of your sniper rifle that's not a thing you do you've never had a sawed off sniper rifle before? you know <laughs> when i'm running a bolt action rifle i prefer to shoot high velocity rounds not throw tennis balls at them <laughs> Which is basically what it'd do. It, they'd get hit by it. They're like, ow, was that a bee? 
What? What in the world? I thought those were extinct. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's some top tier humor. Right? <laughs> you laughed so hard, your mic peaked and then cut totally silent. <laughs> I Man, I need to get a better noise filter so it doesn't cut out my laughter. My laughter is low-key the best part of this <laughs> podcast. I'm 99% convinced of that. We saw you die on, on camera, though, so I'll uh, I'll edit in, like, the typical um, audience laughter. Well, my audacity picked it up. Oh, it did? Okay. Yes. Oh, well. I don't have a noise filter over audacity. It's just raw Maybe... audio. Oh, it's the best. I could turn it. In fact, let me make sure. I didn't tinker with my settings. I did. Actually, I'm going to severely change the audio quality real here, real quick. All right. One minute. Copy that. Uh, I had it on um, the surround sound recording. Uh, so I could have done like the ASMR thing with my microphone and the people listening to the podcast version would have heard it. They'd be like, oh God, what is that? <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. Uh, it's nice. Uh, you can do. Um, uh, it's online still, but it's basically a private server with just you and three other friends, and you play okay. against bots. Oh, and that's you still kind level of cool. up, kind of like terrorist hunt and uh siege. Gotcha. So to warm up, I'll do exactly what I did in Siege. I'll hop into one or two of those matches, warm up my aim a bit, and then hop into online. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Hazard cool. Zone is probably a game mode I will be playing a ton if we get a four-man to start what playing. Is, and is that's the Hazard Zone is the one with bots? No. No. So... Oh. The bots one, you can either play Conquest or Breakthrough. Okay. Um, or you can play online with that. It's just an option you select on if you want mm-hmm. it online or bots. Um, okay. Hazard Zone is kind of, I'd describe it kind of like Hunt Showdown, only without AI and okay. no bosses. So these satellites come crashing down onto a map. Mm-hmm. You enter, you pre-purchase your loadout, like, in the beginning lobby. You have, like, two minutes to purchase what you want. Gotcha. Um, you choose the operator you want to pick. You choose what gun you want to run. Mm-hmm. All that stuff. And then you drop in, and you have this, like, spyglass thing that's high-tech, and it detects where the satellite bits are, and you have to get data disks. Ah, interesting. So it's kind of like Insurgency. Kinda. Kinda, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, the reason I compare it to Hunt, though, is you die, you lose all your shit. Ah, uh, okay, gotcha. There's two extract timers. There's one about halfway through, then one at the very end. And basically uh-huh. the goal is to collect as many data pieces as you can, then extract. I've gotcha. never extracted because they don't have live mic in the pre-release. So you can't communicate aside from pings. Um, oh, okay, gotcha. Just ping the extract real hard. Be like, go there. No, it's like I get sniped, for example, mm-hmm. and I go down, and uh, I I out. I try to turn, and dude just walks over. He starts resuming. I'm like pinging, danger, danger, danger. He gets sniped. Mm-hmm. I'm like, 
Of course. I, well, I, I mean, I can't communicate. So the... rule one of Battlefield is uh, don't res someone who just got sniped. Thank you. Like that's yeah. that's rule number one. You gotta put down a smoke first, at least. But... Yeah. But currency <laughs> is really hard to earn. Like mm-hmm. it's it's really hard to earn. It's three hundred um uh, coins. I'll say three hundred credits mm-hmm. to get either the sniper rifle the marksman rifle or i believe the multiple m5 Mm -hmm. and it took me four games to get that now given you probably get a lot more credits when you extract alive but (laughs) it that would make sense yeah yeah but it took me four tries and then i ended up dying to another four man just totally wiping my team mm-hmm. so I'm like that happens I'm like whatever but it's fun mm-hmm. it makes battlefield feel a lot more dangerous like you take your time a lot more you're much more aware of your surroundings gotcha okay so it's fun it's fun then they've got a battlefield portal where you can set it up so it's like battlefield 2042 versus battlefield one what do you mean? Like, like literally loadouts and everything. Oh, like guns. Like you'll still run the operators, I believe. But yeah, yeah. But you have, but you have the guns from World War Two. Yeah, and World War One. Like, okay. I killed a three man with ARs with an M1 Garand. Gotcha. Yeah, it was pretty. It was weird. It was really weird because I went from using an M1 grabbing his gun because i ran out of ammo i'm like this is way past my time frame (laughs) cool (laughs) future future gun yeah okay but interesting it's different i've heard a lot of negative reviews how they're Mm -hmm. like the game is crap they've gone downhill and movement and gunplay and yada yada the only reason i play this game is because of portal and i can play the old battlefield games i'm like I thought they went up in movement. Like, the movement feels really good. Hmm. Operators are kind of gimmicky, but it simplifies the gadget system. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, the opacity, or pacity, whatever, for mm-hmm. the enemies, the UIs. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know how we kept having issues with shooting friendlies? Mm-hmm. I have not shot a single friendly. Gotcha. Like they've they've increased how bright that is, and it's a lot easier to tell enemy from not. That's good. Yeah, because they all look the same, or do they still all look the same? They all look similar. There are different outfits now that you can use. Yeah. Um. Some but... of them are only unlocked with like the gold or premium editions, but you can unlock more skins as you play with the character with certain prerequisites. Um, gotcha. But just when you aim at them, it'll show their name and everything, like Call of Duty style. It'll show their name tag. It'll show a red Mm -hmm. diamond above their head. So it's I've never been once been like running and see a guy and just keep running, then die by him. I'm like, oh, that was a bad guy. Like I did in the beta a dozen times. Mm -hmm. All right. I'll have to I'll have to hop on that. Yeah. The official release is in five days. 
But if you gotcha. get gold, then you obviously get access as soon as you download it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But, yeah. Alright. It's fun. Well, I think it's a good time then to move into the main topic of the night, which is, of course, uh, martial arts. Agreed. And full disclosure, we don't have an actual full itinerary for tonight, so it's going to be one of those... uh more loosely defined topics uh i think we should start off though by doing kind of the same thing we did last time we uh talked about this for anyone who's new which is kind of briefly just summarizing uh our experience in martial arts and you know our different areas of interest and things of that nature so uh if you want to go ahead and go first you can otherwise if you need a second to think about it i can go over the stuff i've done go for it go for it you can go first i need to think of timelines real quick gotcha i'm like i can't uh, have it written down <laughs> so what i i first got into the martial arts when i was very young i was in elementary school i believe um i did a few years of a mixed martial arts kind of system that uh this guy invented it was just at a rec center but it was essentially a combination of taekwondo and uh judo but um you know rec center martial arts uh yeah so anyway after after i uh was uh doing that as well uh for a little bit through middle school i didn't really do that much martial arts in middle school um you know aside from some occasional just independent seminars and stuff like that uh when i got into high school uh i did wrestling my junior year and that really brought me back into like the uh martial arts areas of interest um and so after i got done with high school i actually started doing aikido um got introduced to that through a friend that i did a bible study with um and i did that for about a year then I moved to Minnesota for college. Didn't do anything for two years while I was in college because everything was too expensive up here. Uh, then I went, I uh, was looking for something in the beginning of 2020 to do. I started training at this place called, called Osfolk, which is a uh, HEMA Viking martial arts uh, kind of thing with a sword and shield, which is really cool really nerdy but really cool um and then recently i actually got back into aikido because uh now i'm a full-time student again but i also have a source of income and so i get a discount on the uh services provided there it's like 35 bucks a month as a full-time college student to practice aikido with the united states aikido federation Jeez, so that's pretty good yeah so that's 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 my uh and that was about two months ago that i got back into aikido so you know that's kind of fun uh but that's my experience up till now in summary yeah um what about you shotgun you have quite a bit more consistent i feel like of uh training than i did that's fair. although you're not training right now correct no correct i'm wanting to try to find a hema place close by because i've been on a tangent of uh mm -hmm. like berserker fighting 
mm-hmm. and that oh i mm-hmm. my christmas list is full of different axes it's <laughs> <laughs> like are you serious mm-hmm. I'm like yes yes, yes very much so i want mm-hmm. sharp things everywhere <laughs> um so i did taekwondo for like a year when i was just a wee lad um i don't remember any of the training aside from i was sparring this one chick and she kicked me in the crotch and i quit um <laughs> so that was that experience that was absolutely atrocious but it sparked my interest uh 2007 2008 somewhere around there i started taking taekwondo again i did that till 2018 uh, so about 10, 11-ish years. Uh, in the midst of that, I did uh, Eskrima training, which is mm-hmm. uh, Filipino stick fighting. That's fun. I still have more muscle memory of that than I do Taekwondo. Uh, mm-hmm. Taekwondo just helped me train my reflexes mostly and bone conditioning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, and then I did a year, maybe a year and a half of Hapkido. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. That's about it, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. I did some like uh, mass shooting training exercises. Like if somebody comes into the building and it's a mass shooting situation, like Mm-hmm. how you deal with that whether it be mm-hmm. find an exit or what mm-hmm. tools you can use around you or on you to yeah. de-escalate like, the situation mm-hmm. so that was Basically very like yeah firearm situation training essentially yeah gotcha. yeah the science between That's... about like how modern firearms work and how they cycle and mm-hmm. like if you grab the top of the slide in front of the chamber and they shoot you're gonna your hand's gonna be torn up pretty bad but that gun's gonna be jammed up so it's Mm -hmm. effectively a club until they clear it which Mm -hmm. at that point you're on them so they should not have time to clear it Mm -hmm. but that training really helped train my uh like situational awareness Mm -hmm. i despise having my back to the door if i'm sitting in a restaurant (laughs) absolutely despise it I'm always looking behind me. I'm like, who walked in? I heard the bell. Who walked in? I heard mm-hmm. the bell. Mm-hmm. That maybe that's a little bit of paranoia, I guess. But I like to I, I know say, who's I in the restaurant. So. Mm-hmm. I I was thinking about this the other day. Um, you know, because my dad is the same way. He does not like to have his back to the door at restaurants. I don't mind having my back to the door so much as I mind. Like, I just don't feel comfortable when I'm by myself sitting with my back to oh. other people in the restaurant. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, when I go but, out to eat with my grandfather, he's the same way I am. I'm like, all right, fine. You got my back, I got yours. We both know. We, mutual understanding mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, so... Here's here's a question that might provide uh, some uh, interesting stories. I have a story if you don't. Oh boy. Uh, what is the mm, has there ever been a time in your martial arts training 
where you've seen someone that has a degree of proficiency in their martial art that, like, terrified you. Beyond, like, just a, like, not not terrified as in, like, but, caused, you know, existential horror, but, like, oh, shit, I actually, like, that person would a not want, I don't want to spar with this person kind of deal. Not because they're reckless, like, with some people, but because okay. they're incredibly proficient in their martial art, and I feel like I would just get destroyed. Um, one of my old buddies, basically the aside from the instructors the only person Mm -hmm. that i deemed a threat um Mm -hmm. taekwondo i would spar him all day every day we were Mm -hmm. pretty proficient it was a challenge for both of us even though he Mm -hmm. was a couple degrees higher than me Mm -hmm. i just knew how he sparred he knew how i sparred and physically we matched each other Mm mm-hmm but if that man gets into jujitsu mode, ah, uh, hell no. He's a freaking spider mm. monkey. And gotcha. I don't wrestle or do jujitsu. I know enough jujitsu to provide self defense against an unskilled mm-hmm. oppressor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if he's just pinning me on the ground, I'm like, okay, bud. All right. And locked kick away now i'm up on my feet again back in my territory gotcha but okay yeah no i'd spar him all day in taekwondo mm-hmm. but jujitsu but nah. but as soon as grappling is introduced it's like no <laughs> yeah i would do gotcha. my best to keep him at range mm-hmm. gotcha i mean similar to you i mm-hmm. we can strike all day but you get me on the ground i'm like well okay i give up mm-hmm. tap out <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah, I, the reason I asked this question is because I had an experience recently um, in in Aikido, actually. So, like, in my entire Aikido training experience, I've, I've met a lot of people who are really good at Aikido. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people who do Aikido that I'm like, yes, this person could beat me in a, you know, an actual fight as well. Even though, you know, those two things don't necessarily correlate, being good at Aikido and being good at fighting. There, you know, there are people in, you know, both camps and some that are in, you know, either or. Yeah. But I never, until recently, met someone that was in Aikidoka that I was, would be, like, terrified to be in an actual confrontation with. Hmm. Uh... And so, you know, like I said, I just started doing Aikido again about two months ago at the uh, Twin Cities Aikido Center. And uh, there's the um, the Twin Cities Aikido Center has a lot of yodansha or I'm already slurring Japanese (laughs) words, yodansha, which are basically black belt and above. Um, It's probably based on what I've seen. I, I, I've only seen, like, four of us, five of us that aren't black belts that are adults at the Twin Cities Aikido Center. Okay. Um, and there's, you know, like, 20 black belt students. So, uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting dynamic. Anyway, 
I went to the Saturday class they have once that and that's taught by the head instructor. Um and I was the only person there that was not a black belt. And so at the end of the day, they did um in Aikido what we call a randori, which is um basically a where you have three people who are doing basic attacks usually at about 75 percent speed Mm -hmm. um sequentially against one person so it's not so much a sparring against three people kind of situation as it is a situational awareness thing you need to be aware of where everyone is because as soon as one person finishes their attack the next person is usually already attacking oh um but but you know you're not going to get like double teamed in this situation essentially so it's not quite full on sparring yeah but uh i saw one of the uh senior students there who you know teaches one of the classes uh do it i saw actually a bunch of people were very impressive doing it uh and in this particular randori they were using um the joe which is the short staff mm-hmm. And, you know, people would do, you know, the Aikido techniques, disarm the staff, you know, set it down, um, and then move on to the next attacker. However, this one guy got up, and he did the technique with such fluidity and such force that he was actually throwing people. Because in Aikido, you get this kind of thing where you have throws. Yeah. But, like, if you don't perfectly do a throw, uh, it kind of is just a... It still functions as a takedown, but you don't actually throw the person. A lot of times people will uh, do ukemi, which is dodging the force of the throw. So they kind of throw themselves to avoid, like, for example, like, twisting their wrist. If you do a wrist twist... That normally results in someone getting dragged. A lot of people will flip over their arm to avoid injuring the wrist. So you get a lot of times when people just do ukemi to avoid hurting themselves. And Aikido a lot of times looks a lot more impactful than it is. Because, but from, you know, a trained perspective, you can say, okay, yeah, they're doing the ukemi. But with this guy, he got up there. He did the technique, disarmed the Joe. And there was no doubt at all in any of his movements. He had perfect design when he landed, and he was just like eye contact with them, maintained eye contact, set the Joe down. And this is a big guy. He's like six foot five or something like that. Jeez. Uh and like it's just like and he continues moving in the direction he throw them afterward. Yeah. Like so a it's like up. Yeah, like a like, I have the stick now. If I wanted to, I could smack you with the stick kind of deal. And I'm like, holy shit, this is the most intimidating demonstration of Aikido I've ever seen. That's it's the wild. proficiency combined with the calmness combined with, like, the intensity of his face. And, like, I, I use the word zanshin, which is basically... Uh, in Aikido and a lot of other Japanese martial arts, this term is means essentially awareness of how you end a technique which is very important in randori yeah um like he just ended his technique in the perfect position to do a follow-up strike Hmm. um so yeah it was 
it was the scariest thing I have ever seen in Aikido. <laughs> um, and I, um, but he's one of my favorite, uh, he teaches the Friday class and he's okay. one of my favorite, uh, senseis to train with, uh, because he's also, he's an older guy, but not like when I say older, I mean like older than me, but like middle age, not, not old, old. Yeah. So like. And he's been doing Aikido for a long time, so he's got a bunch of experience. <laughs> Yesterday, it was literally, I showed up, I was the only person that showed up for the Friday class. It was, he did the class, basically, I think we exchanged 10, 20 words throughout the entire hour of the class. Jeez. And it was all silent instruction. And I actually ended up learning a lot more through that than I think I do in a lot of the other classes where there's a lot of heavy instruction. Yeah. Um, more, because a, less talking, more doing. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of instructors, especially in Aikido, like to uh get into the nitty-gritty details of things um and say this is why it works this is why you need to do it in this particular way whereas uh this sensei is pretty much like look this is this is the one thing you're very noticeably doing wrong just don't do that and then try it again um again all without talking it was non-verbal communication (laughs) um but yeah it's like it's <laughs> like pretty pretty much like uh you're using too much muscle <laughs> don't do that <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy just it's a <laughs> just open up like a flower <laughs> that's his analogy um no that's but uh that's a good analogy though i've heard that a yeah. dozen times yeah because it's like um i forget what the technique is called uh because at my old dojo we just called it a kokunage mm-hmm. which is a um which means breath throw which is aikido for i don't know what this shit is called <laughs> but apparently there's an actual name for it um it's where you kind of you get up close to the person and they're usually grabbing your arm or something like that but you bring your arm up yeah and uh you know to where it's fairly high in elevation and then you twist with your body a little bit and extend the arm kind of across their face and it functions to essentially you know throw them straight down but you can't muscle it (laughs) it's like one of those weird contradictions where it's like if you muscle it it doesn't work it's momentum based yeah Yeah. it's not even it's it's not even momentum based it's it's like, um... It's kind of like, wherever the head goes, the body must follow, type y- deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's based on the other person not being able to perceive what you're doing. Yeah. Which is what I've noticed since I got back to Aikido. A lot of Aikido techniques, when you feel someone doing them to you, it feels like it's just an incident... The setup is just an incidental almost like an accidental movement that they're doing that's not intentional yeah until you realize their arm is like in the perfect place to just throw you off balance with a twist of a wrist yeah yeah um so you know that's pretty interesting that's how a lot of the kali training was when we were doing 
minor, very minor grappling stuff, or mm-hmm. we did two types of training, or I guess three, but mm-hmm. two major types of training, force meet force, or uh, follow the force. Mm-hmm. So basically, if I were swing down from my right shoulder to my left hip in a diagonal mm-hmm. arc, mm-hmm. you would swing up from your mm-hmm. hip to your shoulder and connect, mm-hmm. blocking the blow. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. you step off to the side and hit downwards right above my hand on my stick, thus throwing me off balance because that's more force than I was expecting there to be at the end. Mm-hmm. thus making me jar at least maybe making me f- go off balance entirely where you just smack mm-hmm. me in the back and i'd crumple but mm-hmm. a lot of yeah. flow training and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah that's that's the uh interesting an interesting thing with aikido is there's no there's no force meet force kind of stuff it's all it's all flow work yeah, it's all going with the force already provided or finding a place where there is no resistance to go with your body to set up something else. Well, and um, I mean, like a martial art like Aikido, where it's in damn near entirely defensive, that works perfectly mm-hmm. because you could have a 280-pound man against an 85-pound woman, and if the woman is proficient enough in Aikido... Mm-hmm. she might not knock yeah. the dude out but she's definitely going to take care of the situation to get I, away but then I, again, i've almost been knocked out from an aikido technique actually fairly recently like really? um yeah so <laughs> so i was at a beginner's class okay and um <laughs> i was asked by the sensei to help uh do the ukemi for a technique so oh, no. i was i he was demonstrating the technique on me and i'm like Okay, it's the beginner's class. He was doing a technique called Tenshinage, which is, I posted on the Instagram a picture of what that looks like. Um, But um, it's basically means heaven and earth throw. No, One hand goes up, one hand goes down. Uh, Usually they're grabbing both your hands as the basic start for fifth cue testing. One hand goes up and you step behind them and throw them with your arm, kind of. It's this, a similar thing to what I was describing earlier. Yeah. You drop them or, you know, you throw them out. And I'm like, okay, it's the fifth cue thing. He's going to show them how to, like, throw someone out with this. And nope, instead he just slams me straight down as he finishes the technique. He, like, drops his hips and I'm like, well, I guess I'm going down. And, like... <laughs> The first time I did it, I wasn't prepared to take that ukemi, and so like I smacked my head on the back of on the mat. Like Just my boom. head came down after right after my shoulders, and went. Oh. And if I had not been on the mat, I probably would have gotten some sort of a head injury there. Oh, probably. I would not have been getting back up from that. <laughs> <laughs> I barely did. I was like, okay, You're gotta like, be careful now. Yep, I've been <laughs> rocked. All right. <laughs> I I uh you know partnered with one of the older guys to practice after that it's like he said oh it looks like sensei decided you need to take some break falls today <laughs> and i'm like yep i guess that's the case <laughs> but yeah so aikido techniques if performed correctly and in an ideal situation can be 
used to cause a lot of uh, physical pain. Yeah. (laughs) If not, like, you know, knock someone out completely. That's usually not the goal of Aikido, but, um, you know, I feel like a lot of people have this weird conception of Aikido, especially new people. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of somewhat pacifist. Uh, and in a sense, it is, but not necessarily the modern notion of what pacifism is. It was like, you know, Aikido was invented around the same time as Judo. Yeah. Um, and uh, you'll hear a lot that... Uh, <laughs> Dang it, Eli. <laughs> that... Uh, that judo was invented uh a lot of they modified a lot of the techniques as to not injure their training partners when doing the techniques and use them safely in competition which is true aikido did kind of the same thing except with the goal of not harming the uh person you're defending yourself against to the same degree as what you would but what that means is when you do a hip throw I have a tangent about hip throws for later. But when you do a hip throw, you line them up so their stomach is on your back instead of their back being on your back. So they just get slammed really hard into the ground instead of snapping their back on your back. Okay. Um, so so the idea of not harming someone is something that's baked into Aikido, but like the idea of harm is more... You're not killing people. Don't kill people. It's... And you're doing Aikido just fine. <laughs> or maim them sometimes. You know, that's probably something you should avoid too. The way I'd explain it to somebody who doesn't know what Aikido is about, I'd be like, it's a martial art that's very self-defense oriented in a way that will not absolutely destroy the other person. Yeah. Consistently. Consistently. Yeah, like because there are circumstances happen. where you'll hip throw someone mm-hmm. and their head will hit just right angle and bye bye neck, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. like that wasn't your look, intention, but it yeah it got the job done. So oh well, yeah. Like we use uh like for example, we have a few wrist throws in Aikido, yeah. Um, and like I, wrist throws are a high injury technique like if oh, you yeah. don't know how to take the ukemi out of it uh you're gonna injure you're gonna sprain your wrist or something like that uh, so much to like you know a lot of you know combat sports don't allow wrist throws yeah for that very reason because they're likely to injure the wrist uh but an aikidoist wouldn't consider that necessarily harming someone because the alternative is like breaking their face (laughs) um you know um like it's a relatively minimal amount of harm that you're doing to the person and i've had someone do like kodagaishi for example to me in a way that i wasn't expecting so i didn't take proper ukemi and i was fine actually after it like because they did the drag kodagaish instead of the flip kodagaish. Oh, okay. Which is basically where they pull you towards them. Yeah. I think you showed me a similar hopkido technique at yeah. one point. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I just essentially, I almost face planted directly into the mat because of it. But Ooh. I got up, I was fine. I wouldn't have, if they wanted to do something after that, I was not in a position where I could defend myself from them, though. Yeah. 
same sensei that I was talking about in the earlier story. <laughs> Did that. One uh, technique I found super cool that I want to kind of delve into. You've heard the term defang the snake, right? Yes, that's from the Filipino martial arts. Yeah. So there's a technique that basically involves giving somebody such a cramp in their muscle that they just don't want to fight anymore. <laughs> you don't even have to break anything. It's literally you give mm-hmm. them a Charlie horse enough where they're mm-hmm. like, <laughs> okay, yeah, fight over, I'm done. So <laughs> I give up. I surrender. Yeah. So basically, um, this is used in the Filipino martial art a lot against, like, knife fights. Mm -hmm. If Micah had a knife and I had a pair of Kali sticks, if he were to try to stab me, I'd obviously deflect with one of my sticks. And then with the other stick, I, well, I'm screwed. I don't have Kali stick. (laughs) That's the one weapon I don't have right now. Where is it? It's in my closet, actually, right in that corner. I know where it is. Um, But so I'd block, obviously, get that knife out of the way somewhat, and then I would hit him as hard as I could in the bicep. Mm -hmm. And given he's stabbing and this thing's like a freaking whip, he'd just be like, "Mm, I'm going to let go of the knife now. I'm done. And if yeah, he wasn't get... done, then I'd just follow up with another stick to the side of his neck, and he'd go down anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that was or because or because I'm ambidextrous. <laughs> <laughs> then I just go into heaven six, and you're done for. <laughs> True. <laughs> I don't know why I would attack someone who is carrying an escrima stick with a knife, though. That seems <laughs> people are stupid. I mean, you know what? I feel like escrima sticks are actually the ultimate self-defense weapon, like the ultimate open carry weapon. They're pretty good because, like, like, why you carry like, a stick? It's who's... like, want to see? <laughs> <laughs> freaking, who's gonna who's gonna attack you if you're carrying a, a big bamboo stick? Yeah. <laughs> like with <laughs> like nobody, nobody's gonna do. Nobody's gonna mess with you. I knew I had him. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Um, oh, it's been ages since I've pulled these out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to yeah, spar? Yeah. See, like no, no one's no one's gonna mess with someone that's looking like that. Um, these things are so ah. fun. Yes, these they are, are the ones we trained with. Yeah, I gotta find mine again. I know where one is. I don't know where the other one is. We might have to order a new pair. And then, but, for some reason, I have my walking sticks and the case too those those work as escrim sticks eh, not really they're fiberglass <laughs> they'll break they work as one use escrim sticks yeah i have better luck single stabbing use. them with them single use <laughs> my best luck uh, is defending myself with those is stab them in the eye mm-hmm <laughs> Some interesting training that I've been doing at this uh, Aikido Dojo that I have never done before yeah, um, is they have a class on Sunday mornings, um, which is always fun to get to at like 10 a.m. after recording this. <laughs> is, uh, they have an Aikido internals class, which is, which uh, 
the sensei that teaches it affectionately calls it the magic class um <laughs> because uh it's essentially uh this class on using just the minor movements and body position to ideally uh distribute your weight and your opponent's weight in a way that makes it really easy to move them okay and it's one of those things where at first you know you see the class and you're like ah this is all bullshit but then you train with the people who are in the class after taking a few of the classes and you're like oh shit i actually see what you were doing there you were doing that technique that we did in the internals class Hmm. um like uh i'll bring it back to that one example of the kodagaish where i just got thrown that was from one of the guys who does a lot of the internals technique stuff um because it just if you have there's just there's these certain movements that you can do that if you have your body positioned correctly relative to the other person's body yeah uh particularly in position relative to how their legs are positioned you can just yeet them and they can't really resist it hmm. um for for a number of reasons real quick what's uh, up pars yeah welcome to the chat first oh, time yeah. Hi, first pars. time chatter What's up, man? Gotcha. Uh, yeah. So wait, what was the question about? Was it the was it the magic stuff? Because <laughs> it is weird. It is really it is really freaking weird. But um, but I'll I'll explain how how it works. Kind of how I've derived that a lot of it works. Um, you know how you're standing up. It's uh, you're kind of like a bipod. Yeah. You have two legs. Uh, you don't have a third leg, which would give you perfect balance. At least most of us don't. Um, <laughs> you saw the look on my face. I'm like, <laughs> I did. I did. But uh, yeah, so uh, basically that means you have usually two weak spots. Uh, places that I can direct your weight to go. And you don't have, like, a path, a way to resist that weight movement. Unless you move your legs. Um, so that being said, you know, all this uh, internal stuff, in order to make it work, you have to set it up for the person to be in a position where they can't correctly correct their... Or can't quickly correct their legs in order to yeah. balance better. Yeah. Um, Putting them over the edge, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, um, and Aikido has a really sneaky way of doing that in particular, which is, as I said earlier, incidental movements, or movements that just feel incidental, like, you know, if we're grappling and I move my arm this way, I do it in such a way that you don't necessarily feel the need to prevent me from doing that, because it doesn't seem like I'm doing it intentionally, I'm not, like, jabbing my arm over here to try to grab for something. Yeah. Um, it's... It triggers a conscious response as opposed to a reflexive response. Yeah, it's... like a I I have to question why is that arm moving over there? I'm not like immediately perceiving that as a punch or a grab and trying to deflect it or 
uh, counter grab or something like that. I mean, um, it's like in a situation if someone were to come at me and I rotate my hips a certain way, they won't see mm-hmm. that as anything. But somebody who's doing martial arts is like, oh shit, I'm about to get Sparta mm-hmm. kicked. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's a few reason why this reasons why this works the way it works. Like, um, a lot of Aikido happens in, uh, well, there's three aspects of movement. You might call it three dimensions, but it's a little bit, the third dimension is a little bit more complicated. Yeah. Usually you're going up, sideways, and then you're also like rotating in an arc. Okay. Which is really hard for someone's brain to like figure out a way to resist that. Yeah. Like, like if I'm moving in a straight line, you kind of know intuitively you can stop me from moving in that line by getting in the way. Get in the if way I'm or moving press in, to the side. Yeah. Yeah, or pressing to the side. If I'm moving in an arc, it makes it a little bit harder to uh, calculate that. So if I'm training myself to move in these arcs and change elevation as I do it, uh, it makes it a lot harder for someone to quickly intercept those movements uh it's also harder for me to adapt those movements yeah because uh i i you know i consciously can't think in arcs either but yeah that kind of um, reminds me of like jeet kundo uh straight line mm-hmm. punching or like mm-hmm. i'll back up a little bit so viewers can see it's like ready is here if I were to punch mm-hmm. with my right hand, I'd throw my left hand forward and then punch out my right hand. So it's like smoke out punch. And they're like, oh, like, okay, uh... where's the hand? That hand is meant to push anything away that may be there, like if they're readied up. And then just drive that punch hitting with like first two knuckles. Like wing, like wing sun yeah. chain punches, yeah. essentially. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's a really cool kind of thing to see to see in action. Um, oh, it's devastating. Mm-hmm. And if you get fast enough, someone will get hit mm-hmm. and they'll be like, where did that come from? And you're like, it was behind yeah. this hand. My hand was traveling. Then bop, mm-hmm. there it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a little bit of training it, with it. It's yeah. fun. I want to find a school it, that does it. Yeah. Wing Chun schools. Uh, look, uh, well, uh, those aren't super common in some parts of the United States. Yeah. Like, there were three in Tampa when I lived down there that I considered joining. Um, It's, I don't know, I couldn't, it's one of those things, the reason I didn't do it is I couldn't get over the cultural hurdle. Like, you know, uh, foreign, especially like Asian martial arts, actually, you know, all pretty much all foreign martial arts will take some element of the culture they come from. And I just, at the time I was into like the Japanese martial arts and I couldn't like, I don't know. It just seemed kind of odd to me to transfer into the uh, Chinese oh. formal martial arts, okay. the way they did things. I didn't necessarily vibe with that. I probably like, would now that I've had more experience, but like just the basic stuff, like, what sort of bow you do, how you respond to your instructor, stuff like that, or yeah, um, how test yeah, it done, was just like ceremony type deal. Yeah, it wasn't even it was it was kind of all of that. It wasn't necessarily that 
I was made uncomfortable by it. It was more so that I'm like, this is unfamiliar to me. I don't really want to spend the time to learn all the formal cultural stuff. Yeah. When I already spent time doing that for the Japanese martial arts. (laughs) I mean, that's fair. I had to learn a ton because the grandmaster I trained under was literally the bodyguard for the South Korean president for Mm -hmm. many years. So Mm -hmm. he's like... I mean, that's... Korean martial arts are like the same way. I'm like, yeah. I really don't want to touch that. <laughs> that sounds so much work. Every time you go up a rank in black belt, there's this black belt ceremony you go to. And it's like a 20 minute ceremony per person. So yeah. you could be sitting there for like three hours just for mm-hmm. 12 people to go through, or however many there is. And you have mm-hmm. to memorize these certain steps, what type of hand motions you need to recognize to do what. Make sure the bottoms of your feet never point towards any of the instructors, which is really difficult mm-hmm. when I f- you're doing a formal bow and there's instructors yeah. behind you. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like, especially with the Korean martial arts, American students have a very different perception of it, like the formality of it, than Korean students do. Oh, yeah. Because Korea is one of if not the oldest culture in the world. Um, And there's just a... The older a culture is, the more uh, traditions and... uh, There's more nuances. Yeah, the more formalities it has. So a lot of the things that we associate with, like, Taekwondo etiquette is really just Korean etiquette. And then there's some additional stuff to the Korean etiquette. Yeah. So, like, I feel like Korean students entering uh, Taekwondo, what's the Dojang, right? Yeah. It's the, yeah, a Taekwondo Dojang, just, uh, they kind of get a lot more of it intuitively, whereas Western students, it's like, holy crap, there's a whole lot of stuff to learn here uh, in and regards to, like, you know, etiquette and stuff like that. That's the thing. I think taking martial arts when I was super little, even though it was just mm-hmm. for a very limited amount of time, it mm-hmm. opened that understanding up. So when mm-hmm. I started going to the school I went to for many, many years, mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, you do this, 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 this. And it all came back to me from my childhood. It wasn't mm-hmm. the same association yeah. by any stretch of the imagination, but it was still Taekwondo. So the etiquette was very similar. Mm-hmm. So it's like you bow before you leave. You, you bow before you go on the mat. You bow before you leave the mat. But mm-hmm. you have to bow towards the flags or the instructor, dependent on the school. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all like the etiquette of martial arts is super interesting to me because like every every place you ha- train martial arts has etiquette, even if it's like. Um, like an American martial art or something like Brazilian jiu-jitsu, there's still etiquette to it. Oh, yeah. It's just, uh, and this goes back to what I was saying, it's more culturally uh, conducive to, like, traditional American etiquette um, than, you know, for example, Japanese etiquette, where it's like, oh, yeah, it's just an entirely foreign system of etiquette that I have to learn, which I think is a really good thing, honestly, for uh people to go through it gives someone like a chance to experience a different culture without traveling to a different culture yeah. oh for albeit sure. sometimes a very americanized version of the different culture yeah 
Um, That's one thing I found and, cool about my old school. Um, every few years, the Black Pouts, uh had the opportunity to go to South Korea for like two weeks, I think, and train. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I never got to go because it was either that or go on the backpacking trip with you, and I chose backpacking trip yeah, because sure. good choice. It's your boy. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and I knew and we'd be training throughout the whole six months mm-hmm. anyway. So hey, why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yeah, for sure. I'd love to go on just like a martial arts expedition someday. Dude. Like hit all the all the uh, major historical uh, sites of the different martial arts that I've practiced. And, like, my friends have practiced. Oh, like, yeah. I'd, I'd grab probably you and maybe, like, two other people and say, yeah, we're going to check out, like, uh, Greece, you know, to study the history of Greco-Roman wrestling. Yep. Um, we're checking cool. out, you know. Uh, going actually, to the Philippines to train with yeah. crazy people. Yeah. Filipino stick fighting. Yeah, hit up Japan and Korea and Northern Europe for some, you know, traditional hema stuff as well one thing i'd love to learn about although like i feel like the same cultural hurdles would be there uh that we don't have a lot of in the united states is african martial arts yeah like that's that's probably the isn't capoeira african i forget where that originated from i think it's caribbean but i think it was invented i I do not know this for a fact, so, you know, someone double-check me. It was invented by, I think, African slaves in the Caribbean. Caribbean. Okay. Yeah, I knew it was slaves who made it because they disguised it as dancing and then fucking put razors in between their toes and cut down all the guards. (laughs) Which is, like, the most situational martial art ever. (laughs) But it's cool as shit. <laughs> this was like I, a. I know this, a this was very basic level of capoeira. I knew. Mm-hmm. I don't remember now. At mm-hmm. my first semi-formal dance, I got shoved into like the center of the dance circle. I'm like, I, I don't know how to dance, so I'm just gonna do some capoeira. <laughs> and people were like, Oh my gosh, you can break dance. I'm like, No, not really. I mean, it's a derivative, so... but not really. <laughs> yeah. No. There's. Oh my goodness. There's. Wasn't there a movie about Capoeira yeah. made once? Yeah. There was like freaking but it was like in the modern day context. There was some kid that was in a school that like uh like in- it incorporated breakdancing into it oh, <laughs> or see, something like that. They did make a movie that showed like the original setting. Gotcha. Like it had soldiers doing mm-hmm. Capoeira with the people like fake sparring, but it was more of a dance. Mm-hmm. And then later it shows the massacre and whatnot. At least so I believe. I haven't seen the movie. Mm-hmm. I've just seen snippets from the Capoeira camp gotcha. I did. Gotcha. I can't remember name. I'll need to look it up. No, that makes sense. Um, Maybe I can find it real quick. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, Capoeira, it's one of those interesting things. It's like, I, I want to study the history of Capoeira, actually figure out how it became such a big thing. Because, like, first of all, I, like, I don't know how valid that story, like, historically accurate its origin story is that gets propagated all the time. Yeah. I'm not doubting it necessarily, but it seems like it's such a weird origin story for an entire martial art. 
um like i don't know it just like something that situational feels really weird that it would become such a popular martial art and i want to know how that happened i mean same uh the movie i'm thinking of is called only the strong it came out in 1993 ah okay interesting yeah that's you know (laughs) martial arts movies are are always interesting brazil what is brazil the brazilian government first question why is capoeira illegal i'm like what the Brazilian government feared the ex-slaves would join force and use capoeira to revolt against the government. Therefore, a ban was put on capoeira, and anyone known practicing it would be sent to jail. Of course. To keep the tradition of capoeira alive, it was to be practiced secretly and disguised as a folk dance. Ah. Oh, interesting. So, so it has kind of... So that's different than kind of the origin story. It's the martial art came first and then it was adapted yes. to dance. Yeah. To disguise it. Yes. I see. Interesting. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Okay. It's like, well, I started doing capoeira. People are like, oh, you can break dance. I'm like, no, break dancing is a gotcha. derivative. It looks very similar. Gotcha. Like, if you have two videos, one of a dude doing capoeira, one break dancing, it would it'd be really hard to differentiate until mm-hmm. you saw some of the more offensive moves less of so the saw, like saw spin the, on your head move saw saw the razor blade in their toes and that's yeah. usually what she do it to peel off <laughs> shiny shiny you dead <laughs> <laughs> but uh that's that's actually super interesting because so again i haven't done the historical research on this and from what i can tell it's disputed but there's some some people that have done like uh, martial tai chi stuff. So yeah. you know, tai chi is an actual form of you know combative martial art. Yeah. Um, and they all have said, or a lot of them have said that tai chi kind of had like a similar, or martial arts in general was banned in the area that uh, tai chi kwan was practice and um so they had to describe disguise it as kind of this ritualistic not quite dancing thing but like ceremonial thing um in order to practice it and so that's why tai chi is the way it is um or at least it's practiced the way it's practiced because of that thing i don't know the historic validity of that claim either but that's the legend i mean that i've heard from what Tai Chi I've done, mm-hmm. the way it was taught was slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Mm-hmm. So if you refine it to the point of mastering it slow, you mm-hmm. can do it fast. And it is actually a devastating martial art. Mm-hmm. Situational, that's, but devastating. That's that's what a lot of the Aikido internals class is that I'm taking. Is It's like, a yeah, do this you know weird things slowly and it's one of the it's also and this is like i was it's literally building muscle memory yeah like i said i was originally skeptical of it um as kind of a thing because i'm like you know i'm someone who likes to use a lot of you know 
I, I'm, I'm a bigger guy. I can use a lot of muscle to get things done. And so I'm like, ah, no, there's no way this is real. But then, you know, the instructor, he's an older guy. In this, when I say older, I actually mean this guy is, you know, older. Um, like upper 60s? Yeah. Um, at least in the, his 60s. Yeah. And he's like, all right, now this is the class, you know, I know in the normal classes we do like ukemi and stuff to keep ourselves from getting injured. But because the exercises that we do in this class don't really carry a risk of injury for the person who's uh doing the resistance we're, we kind of expect you to do full resistance in this class as opposed to the you know resist until breaking it's point. dangerous yeah. that's in the rest of aikido um and so it's like there's these, you know, movements that we do where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm holding like this as tight as I can, but I still actually can't resist being moved this way. And I know if you do it faster than just like this slow kind of thing, snap, I would get yeeted to the other side of the mat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, that's kind of an interesting thing that uh, you get in that. And the guy that originally you know, brought these concepts uh, to the dojo wasn't, to my knowledge, an Aikido instructor. He was just a guy saying, uh, basically, yeah, this is, you know, how the uh, a lot of the Asian martial arts works. This is a concept that uh, is just not often taught at the lower levels, but essentially because of the way that martial arts are in America... It's something that probably should be taught at the lower levels in the United States. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he said, he said, uh, uh, he had one student that was from China or something like that, uh, come to one of his seminars and, uh, then he went back to the, you know, do, uh, well, whatever the Chinese training area yeah. is dojo for lack of a better term with his uh sifu and said you know use these techniques and his sifu was like how do you where did you learn that you're not supposed to you know have learned that technique yet <laughs> he's like well i learned it from this seminar and it turns out it's like this part of that's integral to the martial art at the higher levels of practice hmm. but it's not necessarily for like the lower levels of practice yeah um so, you know, that's kind of interest an interesting, like, tying it back to the slow is smooth, smooth is fast kind of thing. Yeah. Um, similar principle in music to, you know, if you can play it slow, you can play it fast kind of deal. Yeah. You work um, your way up. Yep. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, so that's that's pretty interesting. Well, what do you um, say we uh, open it up to questions? from our viewers if they want to engage a little bit and we end the podcast segment yeah i was gonna say let's end the podcast segment first but uh of course as always we'll be around on twitch for the next you know 30 minutes to two hours depending <laughs> on how we feel uh so if you're listening on the podcast and you really did enjoy this but you'd like more information well you know feel free to tune in on saturday evenings for the twitch stream yes at um, 10 p.m eastern yep 
That being said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning into the Wasted Youths podcast. Uh, this has been Micah and Shotgun talking about martial arts. Uh, and we hope you all have a good evening. Absolutely. Later! listening to the wasted youths podcast we hope you enjoyed the show the wasted youths is produced by dominic sanders and micah Voorhees. dominic is also the lead editor of the wasted youths all music featured in the show is composed by micah Voorhees. if you enjoy our show we'd really appreciate it if you would subscribe and consider donating through the link in the description to help us make better episodes if you know someone who might be interested in the topic that we discussed tonight, feel free to send them our way by sharing this episode with them. All that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you have a fantastic evening, and we'll see you next week.